You're listening to JFDI with the two Lauras, and this is the final part of this mini series all about scaling your social media business. Once you have finished listening, head over to the show notes because we have put together a bunch of resources to help make it much easier for you to get started, no matter which way you choose to scale your business. I'm talking about the two Lauras. They'll be your biggest supporters. What the selling you'll need more of. I'm talking about the two Lauras. I'm talking about the two Lauras. I've quite enjoyed my little mini-series. Yeah, you? I have as well. We should definitely do this again. And we'll be back later in the year with another mini series. So uh, do let us know if there are questions you want us to tackle because we will try our best. So in this final episode, we are going to recap the things that we've talked about in the previous episodes. And also we've had some questions from uh, questions from the audience, which we will answer. Okay, so to kick off then, to summarise... We see a freelance social media manager or social media expert, social media strategist, ads manager, whatever you call yourself. We see there being four obvious ways in which you can scale. None of them are necessarily easy, but they're all possible. Yeah. Can I just say on that, on that note, none of these are passive income. Yes. Because, well, first of all, passive income isn't really a thing. But let's just like be clear. These, you do have to do the work. To make yeah. this work, you need to do the work. Yeah, yeah. They're not easy. They take hard work and you have to be prepared, I think, to roll your sleeves up and continually look at things to improve what you're offering. Yeah. Like even now, we're constantly learning new things, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Adding in new tactics, trying out new tools, trying out new things, adding things into the membership, changing how courses run. Like nothing is ever finished, really. Yeah. And I'm guessing most people who've got through this mini series have a slight interest in trying to scale their business one way or another. But if you've got through this and gone, I don't want to, I don't want to scale, then that is absolutely fine. If you refer back to the first one, like I didn't want to, and, and Laura Moore didn't scale her business. Obviously, we've now moved into a different business, but you don't have to scale your freelance business there is nothing wrong with just being as you are yeah for as long as you want to be so that is fine you don't have to always look to scale but obviously this mini series came about because we had lots of people asking questions so I don't want anyone to think that we are saying that this is a way you have to take your business because no exactly no and so after over the the series we've shared those four different ways that you can scale and we're I think we're going to just start off by helping you to think about which might be right for you because yeah. they won't all be right for you one might be more right than the other you might want to do a couple of them and um, so it's just really thinking about like what might work well for you I might want to do all of them as well but it's fair well, to it? say that just don't do them all at once yeah I mean you've done all of them haven't you well yeah <laughs> um okay so let's talk about the agency so that was the first one we covered I think it's fair to say that if you are kind of a natural leader but you still want to do the job you know you'll still want to be in the weeds you know all social media platformy you know in the action dealing with clients then an agency is a, is a brilliant way to scale your business but you will need to build a team that you trust because when you're a freelancer you'll have built a business based on your reputation and it would be a shame 
to hire people who are then going to ruin that reputation. So you do need to work hard on that kind of recruitment or building of a team because you just need to be able to rely on them to do a good job. And also if you're trying to, if you're scaling because you're in a position that you have to scale, as in you've got work coming out of your ears, then it's definitely a case of wanting to outsource to someone where you are going to see the benefit of that. If you end up building a team of people who actually become more work than you're just doing it yourself, then something's gone wrong. So yeah, hiring the right people is really important. But I think it's fair to say you do have to have an interest or enjoyment, if you've done it before, of managing people. Yeah. Because a lot of the time is taken up by managing your client, as in, you know, that kind of account management, and also managing the person that you've hired to do the job until you're obviously at a point that you are, you've scaled that far that you can then have a middle manager in place to, to do that for you. So if you are someone who is happy to do your job as it is in terms of doing your social media management, working with clients, and you are happy to manage a team of people or a person to start with, then an agency is a good way to go. Yeah. And many people see that as a natural way to go. But I personally don't agree that it's the easiest way to go. But it, no, And it's definitely not the only way to go. No. So that would lead us on to digital products, which is the second form of scaling that we talked about in this mini-series. Now, a digital product is a great thing to offer if you are someone who loves selling, I think is fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. Because as we've mentioned, this is something that you will have to sell all the time. So you're going to have to be probably quite a creative person in terms of thinking of different ways to sell things, not be afraid to be constantly selling because a digital product is something that in theory is available all the time. So lots of people see a digital product as a really easy thing. It's like, it's like, oh, this is like a stepping stone in terms of scaling or maybe a stepping stone to having courses or memberships, but actually it can be albeit the easiest possibly to create, it can be the hardest to actually get a decent return on because you do have to sell quite heavily. Would you agree? I would agree. And also, if you go into it thinking that it's a stepping stone, often you can be left disappointed and it can bring out that imposter syndrome if you don't do it well and then you don't move on to the next thing that that was a stepping stone for. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. I, yeah, don't consider it to be a stepping stone if that was what you were thinking. And, and on that note of of stepping stones often people think oh what if someone buys my digital product I'll then be able to kind of nurture them and then they'll come and buy my courses or memberships that doesn't always happen digital products are the hardest way to build a relationship with people you know yes obviously you can just keep them warm via your email or your social media marketing but it's not going to be the same way that you can build relationships with people if you're delivering courses and memberships yeah because it's like no face-to-face -face interaction yeah, yeah. And if, and if you want that face-to-face -face interaction and you want to, like you're a people person, you want to help people, you want to build relationships with people and you want to have that recurring revenue in your business, you want the, like the comfort of knowing how much you're going to be making each month and you know that you'll be able to pay your mortgage next month, you know like what your income will be, whether you're going to be able to afford to go on that holiday that you've planned, then recurring revenue I think is going to be really important for you. And if that is you, then that's the membership. That's the membership route that you should be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, membership, definitely, if you want recurring, is the best option. And you can, with a membership, start small and scale it. You don't have to go all out, big, massive membership to start with. It can literally be as simple 
as giving somebody a link to go and join your membership, giving it to them in a direct message and saying, come be a founding member and joining membership. And on that note, starting next week, Stu McLaren is hosting a three-part live training to help you to get started with a membership. So I would definitely check that out. We're going to put the link for that in the show notes. So if a membership is on your mind, this free training will definitely help you to get started with that. But it might be that you want to help people on a shorter sort of period. So a membership is like helping people on, ideally, if they stay with you, a long-term basis. Yeah. Whereas you might be somebody who just wants to help people to go deep on a topic for a short period. So, you know, three or four weeks, maybe 12 weeks, however long it is. And then there's an end date, in which case a course might be a better option for you. And you could do both, but your course could lead into a back-end membership. So it depends on what it is you want to teach people. If you want to do a course, how deep you want to go with them and whether you want to help them on like for a specific amount of time, like we do in social proof, for example, or if you want to help them on a longer period of time, in which case it'd be a membership. But both of those are really good ways to scale. Yeah, they are. And I always think people are fearful of courses and memberships. Yeah, yeah. And actually that leads to one of the questions that we had, which was somebody asked, they're not, if you're not very techie, how can you start a membership? What tech do you need in order to get started if you're not techie? So I think that might be a good question to start with first. Okay, well, let's go with it. Well, the only thing you really need is a way to take payment from somebody every month. So a recurring payment. You don't want to be invoicing people every month. You want it to automatically yeah. go into your bank. So Stripe, for example, can do that. And you need somewhere to host your membership. And that could be as simple as having a Facebook group. Yeah. So yeah. on the lowest end, you need someone to take payment and somewhere to host your membership. And how far you scale that up depends on how techy you are or how much you want to invest in somebody to help you. So for example, we use, and we'll put all, I'll put all of these links that I'm going to talk about in the show notes. We use Thrivecart to take our payments, which is linked to Stripe and people automatically get charged every month. We host our membership in Searchy, which is really easy to use. Um, and that's where we host like videos. We've got downloads, everything like that is in Searchy. And then we have a Facebook group. And if you're a social media manager, you probably know how to use a Facebook group already. <laughs> but you could put everything into your Facebook group. So you could have, you could just deliver everything on Facebook Lives. You don't need to go down the route of having pre-recorded stuff. So you can get started really easily is what I'm saying when it comes to tech. Yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't think the tech should put you off. No. And, you know, I'm okay techie. I thought I was good at tech until I met Laura. But there's there's so much out there. There are so many options out there that do make it easy for you. And all these products now, they all have great kind of help and customer service chat functions and stuff, don't they? So never let the tech put you off. There's always people out there who you can outsource that to as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we heard a lot about finding the right team and when you're kind of outsourcing or building a kind of team. But I think the number one thing from my experience and well, our experience as well with people which we've worked with in the Tulora business is that you have to be really, really, really clear about what it is you need help with. You know, it's all very well saying, oh, well, okay, well, first thing I'm going to do is, is hire a VA. But what exactly do you need the VA to do? So go through all the tasks in your business and you want to kind of think about, are these tasks something that could be automated? 
And in which case, can you automate them or is that a task that you want to outsource? And if the task can't be automated, then that's on your list of things that you can outsource if you don't want to do them. And so that's more like trying to outsource elements of your business to allow you to do more of the work. But if you want to start to hire people to help deliver on your client contracts, then you're going to want to either find the people that complement your skill base. So if you want to carry on doing some of the work, but your clients are going to want more maybe ads and you don't do ads, you only do organic, then you'll want to be clear about what it is, the skills that you are looking for. And likewise, if you want to take a step back, similar to what I did and only do more of the account management, then you'll want to obviously find someone who's going to fill your boots, which is not necessarily an easy task if you're a control freak like me. But I think that without a doubt for us and for me previously, you've got to just go with your gut. Like look immediately at your network and people around you. Who are they recommending? Who is talked about? Who is good? You want to find the best people if you want to maintain that good reputation. So who are people talking about? Who do you like? You're going to have to really like this person if they're going to be working in your business. So that kind of gut feeling and having recommendations is always going to help. But like, obviously, you know, if you're a social media manager and you're looking to scale your business to an agency and you're like in the inner hub, you're surrounded by people. So we are all in a fortunate position, but just, just because somebody else is working with someone doesn't mean you should. If your gut feeling is saying, no, I don't think this person is right, then my advice would be to always go with that gut. But it's, it's worth saying you've got to kiss a few frogs. So sometimes <laughs> you might hire people and it doesn't work out. That's fine. As harsh as it is to say, everybody is replaceable, even us, really. So you you do have to just start somewhere. And if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. As long as you're following all the kind of what you have to do contractually, then that's okay. And as difficult as those conversations can be sometimes, I don't want people to think, oh, well, I can't hire someone. What if I get it wrong? It doesn't matter if you get it wrong. You'll just find somebody else and you've got to learn from it. And sometimes you have to, hire a few people and it not be right to really figure out exactly what it is that you need because sometimes what you think you need actually isn't what you need. Yeah. And I think what you just said about going with your gut with hiring someone, I think also go with your gut. If you if you start to think this isn't quite right, yeah. like, trust your gut and, and do something about it. Yeah. Don't wait until something goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it because if something goes wrong, that could be your reputation down the pan. You could lose a client for it. Yeah. which could be obviously an important income stream. So, yeah. And also protect your business. Make sure you've got contracts in place. Protect your business, protect your clients, protect your assets. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than hiring somebody and then them going direct to your client because you haven't protected your business. Yeah, definitely. We'll pop a link to who we use for all our kind of contracts to feel like we're well protected. So we'll pop a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, so another question we had is everything I want to teach in a course is available on Google. So what should I do? Easy. Do it. If there's stuff out there already on Google, it's because people are asking for that stuff. So if people are asking for it, there's a need for it. That is proof of concept that that it's needed. So if we're going back to, and I think we probably spoke about this on on most of the episodes, 
is that if there's already a need for it and people want it, it's just how you put your spin on it and how you make it different or specific to a specific type of niche or a specific type of person or a specific outcome. So yes, everything is available for free on Google. If you've got time, you can go and learn everything for free, but people don't have time. People want to invest to learn quickly and learn from somebody who they know is giving them the right good information. So if you've got a reputation and people trust you, then, you know, go for it. You can, you can still do a course, even though that stuff is all out there on Google. Don't let that put you off. Yeah, there's a reason people are following you on social media. There's a reason that people are on your email list and it's because they like you. They like the way you explain things or teach things or you've, you've been recommended. So that means therefore people want to know more and learn more from you. So don't knock the fact that, you know, you've already built, well, you should in theory, have already built an audience, even if it's small, of people who like what you are saying. Yeah. And on that note, the next question was from somebody who is asking, how do I start an email list? And we could do a whole podcast series on this. Yeah. But I think that there's a few things you need to just consider. So you need to pick a platform, an email service provider that you want to use. MailerLite is free. Go for that to start with maybe. Or have a look around, see which works for you. We use ActiveCampaign. You need to decide how are you going to get people on that list? So it might be that you need to create a list builder. You need some sort of lead magnet that people are going to join your email list for. Because just because you've got an email list doesn't mean people are going to go on it. You need a plan for what you're going to say to people in your emails and how often you're going to email them. The more you email, the more people hear from you, the more likely they are to open your emails. If you're only emailing once a month, people are only hearing from you 12 times a year. We try to email Monday to Friday every day. Sometimes we fall off the wagon, but we try our best. But there's loads of resources out there to help you to get started with building an email list. We'll put a, a link in the show notes for a, a really good course to help you to get started. But I would just say, just start. Yeah. Because the best time to start an email list was probably five years ago. The next best time is today. And if you wait, you're just waiting and waiting. So just, just get it done as soon as you can. Yeah, definitely. Okay, the final question, well, we had a few questions similar to this, but in summary is, do we have any resources to help people to actually start a membership? Yes, we do. So we have, obviously, we've got this mini series that you can go back through and listen to. We have some blogs on our website, all of which I will link in the show notes. We are always open to people asking us questions about memberships. Um, so you can find us in the Facebook group. You can find us on Instagram drop us an email, ask us anything that you want. We love talking about memberships. We'll also put a link in the show notes for Stu McLaren's membership guide because there's tons of really good tips in there. And as I already said earlier on, next week, 21st of April, Stu is hosting a three-part workshop, completely free training. And this is some of the best training that you will get for free um, to help you to start a membership. So we'll put the link for that as well in the show notes. We've been through this training numerous times and I don't know about you, Laura, but I will be watching this training again uh, because obviously there's always something new to learn. So we'll put the link for that in the show notes as well, uh, along with all the blogs and what have you. But feel free to ask us anything else about memberships too. Fabulous. Okay, so that's it. That's the end of our little mini series. As we mentioned at the start of this episode, we'd love to know what you think about the idea of just coming and doing mini series. And if you have got any ideas on what you want us to talk about, 
and let us know and we will add it to the list. Yeah, we'll put a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. So come and chat and let us know what you think. And also we'd love to know if you're actually listening. So if you are listening, take a <laughs> screenshot, pop it in your stories, tag us. So we don't feel like we're just talking to each other in our offices and we know that you're actually listening wherever you may be in the world. And yeah, we'll be back in your ears next time we can think about something to talk about on a series. Yeah, <laughs> until next time. Bye for now.